Right, today's message comes from Ezekiel 37. So if you have your Bibles, open to Ezekiel 37. Uh, we're going to read verses 1 through 10. And then um, and then shoot over to Psalm 23. You guys probably don't even have to look this up. You guys probably have it all memorized. But Psalm 23, verse 4. <coughs> it's a very famous verse that um, you guys can... Uh, we're going to read. So I'll start with Ezekiel 37. It says... Um, the hand of the Lord, I have it up here, oh, there it is. the hand of the Lord was upon me and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the mid, middle of the valley. It was full of bones and he led me around among them and behold, there were many on the surface of the valley and behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, oh Lord God, you know. And then he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live and I will lay sinews upon you and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded and and as I prophesied there was a sound, and behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, and there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, <clears throat> Prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breathe, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet an exceedingly great army. And if you shoot over to Psalm 23, verse 4, it says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Uh, today my sermon is about like valleys, right? You guys know what a valley is or the low points of any kind of landscape. If you're from Daegu, Daegu is a valley. Um, Daegu, it can get super hot in the summer and super cold in the winter. Uh, but, you know, we have highs and lows in our lives. We have seasons in our lives where it's the highs and, you know, we experience the good grace of the Lord. We experience, like, you know, goodness. Mina's mom's been here and we've been eating good. Like, she takes us to all the good restaurants. Like, we save all the expensive restaurants. So she, she could take us to these nice restaurants. It's like the highs. Like that's kind of how we are in the highs, the mountaintop experiences of our lives. Um, and then, you know, and then we have lows. We have lows and valleys in our life where, 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 di- where, you know, our seasons become difficult, you know, and, and, you know, our highs are great. And we see goodness of the Lord. We see the experience His love and His grace and His mercy. But you know that, you know, the high you get, you know, like when you, when things are good and, you know, when, when you experience that amazing life, you know, when you, when you have that, that experience with God where He's close and, and you, He's for you and you get that promotion and you, and you ask that girl out and she says yes or you ask that or the guy asks you out and, you know, and you've been asked, you've been, you've been waiting for him to ask you out for many, many months and he finally does and you're like, oh, I know, or you get married or you have a kid. You know, Josh and, and Tiffany, they just had a baby and they're like on cloud nine. I know that it's very tiring when you first have a baby, but you don't really feel it because you have this baby, right? And you feel this joy and the goodness. Um, and it's good to experience the highs. You know, we love the highs, but there's no such thing as a valley-free life. There's no such thing as a life 
where you know everything is always going good and everything is going great. Um, and we have to understand that valleys and deserts and wilderness are inevitable in the life of a Christian. Jesus said that you know we sh- in the world we will have tribulation. He doesn't say that he we might have tribulation. He says we will have tribulation, and and you know there will be times where you don't get that promotion or or you don't get that job or you ask her out and she says ew or like you know there's there's those moments in our lives where, where things that we hoped and dreamed would go our way it just doesn't happen. And, and we feel the, the low valleys of our lives. You know, we, we, we feel those, those, those moments in our lives where, you know, the things that, that we want to go our way just do not go our way. And we could see those as the valley moments of our lives, right? But, you know, how many of you know that valleys are necessary? There, it's a famous Billy Graham quote that says that, uh, mountaintops, is this the right one? Mountaintops are, our mountaintops are for views and inspiration, but fruit is grown in the valley. And as a matter of fact, God can't do what He wants to do in your life if you never find yourself in the valley. When if you never, you know, like you get inspired and and you 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 experience God's goodness and you get inspired, you get filled with the Spirit when you when you're having the good moments in your life, but you know you can't grow. You know, that he can't grow that part of you if you're not experiencing the valleys of your life. He can't strengthen that part of you that, it, you know, that, that he wants to, to be stronger. He can't bear that fruit in you that he wants to bear in you if you don't walk through the valley. Many times valleys are God ordained, right? Seasons of, of difficulty, seasons of trials are God ordained. You know, it's it's either you messed up or or God has ordained, you know, for you to experience some of these things. And sometimes we just mess up. You know, I've made plenty of mistakes in my life and I've paid the consequences for them, right? And in those moments, I can't blame God. I'm like, oh yeah, you know, I made that mistake. Now I'm paying for it in the life that I live. But a lot of times, right, the valleys... It's like a place of stretching, and you might actually be doing something good in your life. You might actually be, you know, in a good place in your life. You're, you're disciplined, you're seeking after the Lord, you love Him, you're in the Word, and you're seeking Him, but all of a sudden you experience these valley seasons in your life, these seasons of testing, and it's because you're actually doing something right that God places you in the valley. The valley is where things are extreme. Right? I remember about two years ago in my life, when I was in America, I lived in the San Fernando Valley. I don't know if you guys know what the San Fernando Valley is like, but in the summer, it is hot. Right? Like It is like, it, it gets super hot. Mina experienced it. Mina, my sister, lives in the Palisades right by the ocean. And she, and on a Sunday morning when she visited my sister, they were like, they woke up and it was like 79 degrees. It was nice and breezy. And then they went to a service in the valley and it was a service outside in this, in this church's backyard. And Mina said it went from like, easy breezy to like the hottest experience she's ever had in her life. And like the valley gets hot, but that's what the valley is. There's, it's this, it's these, it's these areas of extreme. In the summer, it gets super hot, right? And then in the winter, it gets super cold. The cold air is denser than warm air. And so when it gets cold, that cold just seeps down into, into the depths of your house and in, in, into your clothes. And you just, you can experience like at the, at the center of your being, right? The valley, it is is where the extreme changes happen. It's, it's the moments of the extremes in your life. And the valleys of our lives are like this. The valleys of our lives is where we experience certain extremes. 
Now things get bad or things get worse. What was bearable before becomes unbearable. But it's in these conditions that God uses to bear fruit in your life. If you don't experience the valley, you're not gonna, He's not gonna have the right soil and the right type of atmosphere and the right conditions for you to bear fruit in your life. He can't bear fruit in you if you're on the mountaintop or, or like you're on cloud nine and you're experiencing just joy and everything is good, you know? It's in those moments of testing where God is able to stretch you and, 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 and get that, you know, like resistance. You know, when you guys work out, you know, you, you push that, you need to have that resistance. Well, there is no resistance in the good times. There's only resistance in the difficult testing times of our lives. That's why church retreats are get, get a little tricky. We have a church retreat this coming week and, you know, when I was young, I would go to a church retreat and I would experience these spiritual highs and I'd be like, oh, God is so good. And I would experience God in such a, in, in such a tangible and powerful way. And then I would come home and then, and then I, I would feel like being in the valley, right? Things would get difficult. Things weren't as easy as it was when we were at the retreat. You know, seeking God gets more difficult and, and we feel like everything is hard. Everything is like walking on mud. Things get difficult. It's because God has, God may have you in a season of walking through the valley. But we have to know that valleys are not, are an important part of our lives with God. There will be highs and there will be lows and there will be a bunch of stuff in between. But God needs, you need to be able to be in the valley and not just be in the valley, but walk through the valley for you to experience what God has for you in your life. But when we find ourselves in the valley, we usually think one of two things, right? When things get difficult, when I get into like a valley season, this is what, this is what I fall into, right? One, I feel like I'm getting attacked, right? And yes, you know, the enemy is real. We have an enemy that is, you know, the spiritual warfare. I preached on it a couple of weeks ago. And, and, oh my goodness, it's Iris! Woo! I'm gonna take a break. Iris is here! I was like, who is that guy? I was going to say, like, the museum's closed, homie. <laughs> so, Iris, they just had a baby, and her name is Iris, and she's here for the first time. Welcome, guys. All right. Yay! Um, I want to hold your baby, so please do not leave before I finish. Um, you know, but, you know, where was I? Uh, we, we, when we go through valley seasons, we think one of two things. We think that we're getting attacked, right? Like it's a spiritual attack. And you know, there are spiritual attacks out there. The enemy is out to, you know, like kill, steal, and destroy. You know, there are times where, we, you know, we have these, you know, spiritual attacks. You know, but, but we sometimes put way too much power in the hands of Satan. You know, Satan, you know, cannot control your destiny. He cannot control your circumstances. Satan needed God's permission to test Job, right? Satan had to ask God, like, and God's like, you know what? He's like, what about your servant Job? And he's like, you know, what about my servant Job, right? So do what you want to do with him, you know, because he's going to stand firm. The only power that the devil really has is like a big mouth. He's a liar. He's the father of lies. So he can lie, lie, lie and get us to start believing in certain things and then we start to feel down and we start to feel, yeah, that's like a spiritual attack. But you know, a lot of times circumstances, you know, sometimes it's just a part of life. It's the valleys of your life. You know, they let me go at my work. It's a, it's the devil. No, it just might be that they don't like you very much, right? Things like that happen. 
Now the devil will come and lie to you about your situation because that's his number one tactic. He lies, he lies, he lies. But we have to make a choice. Are we going to listen to the devil or are we going to listen to God? Are we going to go to God? So that's one way that we respond in valley seasons. We think, oh, it's an attack. It's the enemy, you know. We either think that or we think that God hates us, that He's punishing us, that we did something wrong and God is punishing me. This is how, this is how I fall on one of you. Every time something bad happens, I'm such a pessimist, right? I'm like, oh, it's the devil or God hates me, right? He, he, he wants to punish me. But you know, God will punish the devil. He will punish the wicked. But for those that are in Christ Jesus, there is no punishment, right? Uh, it says in 1 John 4, 48. 4.18, it says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Right? So if we're truly in Christ Jesus, and we understand and experience the fullness of God's love for us, is not about punishment. God's not out to punish us. Right? Now God disciplines the ones that He loves. There's seasons of discipline but that's for our good. That's for our benefit. I, I discipline my kids, right? Because, you know, I don't want to, them to turn out like spoiled, like rotten people. When they get older, they need discipline. But God is not out to get you. When you're in the valley, it's not like God didn't place you there so that you will suffer and be like, ha, 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 Melvin, I got you, right? You did, you know, like, or, or AJ, you know, like, I got you. I, I, you know, I got you where I want you. No, that's not God's heart. You guys... That's, that's not the heart of God. God is all about love. God is all, He, He's for us. We're saying it today. He's for us. He's for us. And he, He's all about love. He's our Father in heaven. I get angry at my kids sometimes, but, you know, I'm not out to get them. Now, if me, an earthly father, who the Bible says is evil, know how to give good gifts to my kids and love on my kids, how much more does our Father in heaven love us and give you know, get gifts to us and, and, and love us and cares for us and is for us. So much so that He sent His only Son to die on the cross for us. So when we go through these seasons of the valley, when we go through these seasons of trials, when we go through these seasons of difficulties, right, we, are, we fall into either we blame the devil or we blame God or we blame ourselves. But we rarely see it as our loving Father walking us through the valley so that we come out stronger on the other side. We never, we rarely see it that way. The really mature Christian, you know, like the people that I know, like Pastor, you know, Robert, and you know, like all of the, Rodney, and people that I know that like my mentors, yeah, they probably see it this way. But rarely do I see when difficult trials comes, rarely do I see it as God walking me through these valley seasons so that I come out stronger on the other side. We don't understand that God wants to use the wilderness to strengthen and equip us so that when we walk out of the valley, we're ready for our next assignment. We're ready to do what God has for us. But we need that season. We need that season where things get difficult. Like, you know, I need to exercise to get stronger. I need to definitely exercise, right? We need to, we need resistance. We need, you know, like, like, you know, I'm going through school. I need to, I need to have tests so that I actually learn what I'm paying money to learn at school. So we need these valley seasons in our lives. We have to have the right mentality. We have to understand that these valley seasons is not about God trying to get us or it's not the devil, but just very might be God walking us through this season so that we come out stronger. On the other line. So today I want to preach to you guys 
on what to, and how to plan for the valleys in our lives. To not miss out on the lessons, you know, to get stronger in the valley, to become more mature, more, you know, like, you know, like have substance and, and, and have that unction that we grow in seasons of the valley so that God can use us in, in the, in the later seasons of our lives. And so the first point that I have, um, is it working? Or, okay. Is that God is with you in the valley. The hand of the Lord was upon me. This is what Ezekiel writes. And he brought me out into the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. The psalmist says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not, I will fear no evil for you are with me. You know, when, when we experience these valley seasons, we have to realize that God is with us in the valley. When we're in the valley, the first thing that that runs through our mind is that we're all alone. That God is far. Right? We, when when difficult seasons come, when trials come, we feel like God has abandoned us. God's far from me. You know, I did something wrong, or, or, or God has rejected me. But that's a lie of the enemy. That's a lie of the devil. The very first lie that the devil told man was that God was not on their side. Right? He's like, hey, did God really say that you can't eat from this? You know, from this tree, because you know, if you can, you basically will become gods, right? And they're like, "Oh, really?" The first lie that the that the enemy told Adam and Eve was to say that God was not on their side, that He was holding out on them. And He's been sticking to that lie ever since. And a lot of times, when things get tough, we feel like God has left us. We feel like God is far from us. We feel like you know, God is God. God's rejected us. That we're alone. When I, I remember the first time when I when I came to Korea, I was broken. I was I was really messed up, and I felt so alone, so incredibly alone. I felt abandoned. I felt rejected. Now, when I look back at my life, when I look back at that season of my life, I look back at the situation, and it's absolutely undeniable how close God was with me through those seasons. Right? I was I was like experiencing such. Difficulties. I felt like, oh man, you know, I, 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 I've been abandoned. I've been abandoned by my family. I've been abandoned, and, and, and I have nothing going in my life. I felt so far, and God felt so far. But now that I look back on that season of my life, I realize how close God actually was. He was protecting me from so many dumb decisions. He was surrounding me with people that would radically love me and impact my life. And at the time, I just felt like, you know, I felt bad. I felt crappy. We have to understand and know it as truth that God is with us in the valley. It's like the picture that we see on those Christian homes. You know, you guys have those pictures about the footprints. How there's one, you know, there's like two sets of footprints and then there's only one set. And then they're like, oh, where were you? And it's like, I was carrying you, right? That's such a cliche. I've seen that in so many Christian homes, but that's so much the case, right? We, we always feel like when, we, when difficult seasons come, we feel like, oh, God is so far. But we fail to realize that He is so near us in those seasons. He's, the, Psalm 34, 18, He says, God is near the brokenhearted. Now, if, you're, if your heart is broken, He's that much closer to you. When things are falling apart or crashing down on you and you feel helpless and you feel powerless... You turn to God and I guarantee you, you will encounter Him. Now here's the thing, God's not necessarily going to fix everything, right? 
You know, when you seek after God and you say, God, I want to, you know, like I'm in this situation, I need you to help me. It doesn't necessarily mean that God's going to fix everything. That, you know, we pray like that. We're like, God, help me. I need you. I'm the Lord, right? You know, I have this horrible boss. It's like, you know, like, you know, using fear and intimidation and, and I don't know how to, you know, I, like, I feel like stressed out at work. It doesn't necessarily mean that God's going to banish her, you know? It doesn't necessarily mean that God's going to fix everything of our troubles. Here's the thing. God will not take you out of the valley, but He will be with you and He will walk through the valley with you. And the strength and the wisdom and the power that you need to make it through the valley, He will be there to supply it. He's not going to, He's not going to get rid of that problem. A lot of times I try. I've had those seasons where I'd be like, God, you just need to fix this. You just need to remove this person from my life and it will be all good. A-okay. And God never does. He never. Actually, that person has a, becomes a louder voice in my life, right? Then when I really seek after God, God, He's like, I'm with you. I'm walking through with you. I'm going to give you everything that you need to walk through this season with you. But, you, but I want you to walk through it. You need to come out on the other side. He will be there to supply every strength, every wisdom, every power that you need. He's not far. He's close to the brokenhearted. He's closer than you think. And He's with you in the valley. So that's my first point, is that we have to understand that when these seasons come, we have to let God is with you. He may feel really far, but He's with you in the valley. And my next point is that you have to seek God's perspective in the valley. It says, it was full of bones. This is Ezekiel, verse 2, And He led me around among them, and behold, there were very many dry bones on the surface of the valley, and behold, there were very dry. And He said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? Here's the thing. God doesn't ask you a question because He doesn't know the answer. Right? He knows everything. Every time the in the Bible where God asks man a question, it's not because God doesn't know the answer. It's because God wants to reveal something in their hearts that they don't actually really even know and understand. Right? And so God asks Ezekiel, can these bones live? He's like, Ezekiel, can you see what I see? Right, you see these dry bones and God's saying, can you see what I see? Do you see dry bones or do you see something more? When a bone is dry, it means it's been dead for a long time. Right? We had chicken yesterday and if I go through my trash can, they're going to still be like, you know, they're not going to be dry. still going to have some meat on them, right? But then if, that, if I take that same bone and I bury it here in Hayonde Beach and it sits out there for like, you know, a month or two, it's going to be dry. It means that when something is dry, when bone is dry, it means it's, 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 life has left it for a lot, for many years. Right? And God's asking Ezekiel, or God's telling Ezekiel, I know all of these, I, I know that you see all these dry bones, but do you see what I see? Can you see the potential of what can be? We have to ask, we have to seek to, to see God's perspective. God's potential. It's all about perspective. Now, Mina and I have completely very different like ways of processing information, right? I'm a natural pessimist, right? So if I if I can't find my wallet, the first thing that comes to my head is somebody stole my wallet, right? And then the first thing that Mina thinks, Mina will be like, oh, you know, I haven't been able to find my wallet in a couple of days, and I'll be like, 
I get all super stressed out, but this is what she says, oh, it'll turn up. And every time it's turned up, right? Every time it's somewhere in the house. We process information completely differently. We have such different perspectives, right? That, that it's just radically different. I'm a pessimist. She's an optimist. But it all comes down to perspective, right? And when you find yourself in the valley, all you can see is disappointment. You know, you didn't get that job you wanted. You see disappointment. That relationship that you thought was going to work out didn't work out. Right? And all you see is dry bones everywhere. And God wants you to look and say, can you see my perspective in the midst of what you see? He wants to look for his possibilities. Right? What can this situation, what can this circumstance look like? Not based on my understanding of what, you know, but through the eyes of faith. The Bible says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. And God sets us in the valley so that we can actually please Him. He's like, hey, you're in this valley, you just see bones everywhere, right? But you have the faith to see what I see. Do you have the faith to see what I see? So we can fight for faith and stand on faith and look through the eyes to discover His possibilities. His perspective can change everything. His understanding can change everything. But it requires faith. When we're in the valley, we have to look up, right? So many times we look down at our circumstances. We look down at ourselves and our inability. We look at our lack. We look at our bank account. We look at how you know, all of the shortcomings that we may have in our life. We start focusing on that and we, we, we don't learn to look up at God and say, God, what can you do in this situation? Show me your perspective. Show me what you see when you see these dry bones. God can do anything and everything. And we have to stop staring at bones and stare at Jesus. Say, God, what can you do in this situation? What can you do in this circumstance? What can you do with my disappointment? Now, a lot of times, God's going to show you. But it's not going to be like, okay, I'm going to make everything better for you. It's going to be like, okay, I'm going to walk you through this. So you come out stronger on the other side. So we have to understand, we have to seek God's perspective in the valley. We have to seek God, how God sees things in the valley. And number three is we have to embrace uncertainty. This is the hardest part for me because I hate uncertainty, right? It says, and he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, oh Lord God, you know. This is just a very holy way of saying, God, I don't know. You know, you know God, you know. I asked Melvin, Melvin, can I run a marathon? And he's being nice, he's like, mm, you know, you know. <laughs> thinking like, heck no, man. Maybe. But isn't that what faith is, right? Hebrews says that faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Nowhere in that definition does it say that it's a certainty. There's assurance, there's conviction, but by definition, faith is not about certainty. But so many times, we want certainty from God. God, if I'm gonna do this, if I'm gonna, you know, do this in my life, I want I want certainty that it'll work out. God, if I'm gonna attempt this for you, I need certainty that I'm gonna be successful. God, I need, I need to be, you know, I, I need to know the facts. 
I need, I need it to be a fact that things will work out the way that I want it to. So many times we go to God and we're like, God, we need, I, I need you to be certain of this. I need you to show me certainty. But in the valley, what God wants to, to do is for our faith to, in God to be led through the valley despite the uncertainty. And it's the process that's going to tra- change and transform us. That uncertainty is placed on God and He becomes our certainty. It's not about you're certain that everything's going to work out. The certainty is God Himself. It's in that place of helplessness and powerlessness, the uncertainty. We don't know what's going to happen and it's in those moments where we cling to God and say, I need you. You are my certainty. I can't do this without you. I can't get out of this valley without you. I need you. I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if things are going to work out, but I know that you're with me. I know that definitely that I can't do this without you, God, so I'm going to take a step of faith and I'm going to depend on you for everything. That's how that's how we embrace uncertainty. Uncertainty. Embracing uncertainty is faith. There, there is no certainty in our in, in this world. Right? No. Like, like one of the, the, the you know, like you, you like AJ, right? And I say, AJ, meet me for lunch. Right? He's like, all right, I'll be there, right? And I know AJ pretty well that, you know, I'm almost certain that he will show up. But that's not a certainty, right? He just might ditch me one day and then leave me hanging, right? There is no, nothing in this world that is of certainty, right? But we're trying to look for it. But the God is saying, it's like, hey, I'm God. And you have to embrace uncertainty. You put your faith in me. That's how you embrace uncertainty. A lot of times I feel like the valley, like like the valley, because you know you have uncertainty in your life, and God puts you there so that you can embrace uncertainty. You can step out of that comfort zone and stand on faith and walk through the valley. But a lot of times when we when we see like you know valleys and stuff, we we tell God like God, I don't need the valley, I don't need the mountaintop. I just need that. I just need to just just be right. I just, I just I like I'm in the zone right now, right? I just need this zone. I I name that zone the comfort zone. But you're never gonna experience anything if you just remain in the comfort zone. It requires zero faith to be in your comfort zone. God wants us to stand on faith. He wants us to, 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 to embrace uncertainty and stand on Him and, and depend on Him and, and walk through the valley. The Israelites, right? You know, God brings them out with this supernatural spreading of an ocean, you know, de- destroying the, the Egyptian army and then they, 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 they don't have any more meat and so they're like, oh, Let's just go back to Egypt, right? Let's go back into slavery. They would, they would have never reached the promised land if they didn't walk through that wilderness season, if they didn't walk through their valleys. When we find ourselves in the valley, we find ourselves in uncertainty. We find ourselves facing the unknown. And what we need to do is to take a step of faith and we allow God to lead these seasons.
He, he calls us into the valley to get our attention. Sometimes in the valley, the noise of all of the distractions gets silenced, right? You know, when things are going good, right? Things, God's blessing starts becoming really loud, right? Things are going good, and then the blessing of the Lord, you know, like, buys me a new car, and I'm like, oh, and then that car becomes super loud, right? And when things are going good, Instagram sounds super loud, right? When things are going good, you know, like relationships and people become really loud. But then when we find ourselves in the valley, all those loud, you know, distractions start to get silenced. Instagram starts to mat- stops mattering, right? I, have you ever gone through that where you're like you, like you know, you, you everything's going well and you're like, hey, and all these distractions, and all of a sudden like things get difficult in your life, and all of those things that mattered like a week ago stops mattering. Like, like I remember, I used to play, I used to play a lot of video games, right? And I, you know, like when things are going well, I play a lot of video, and then I, then I come into a, a stressful season in my life, and like the video games is the last thing that I wanted to play. Like Instagram is the last thing that I want to check. Distractions become quieter. God starts to remove certain distractions when God places us in the valley. And in, in those moments, he's like, I want you to find my voice. I want you to hear my voice. I want you to be able to hear me in the valley so you have everything that you need for you to walk yourself out of this situation, walk yourself out of this valley and become stronger on the other side. He says, can these bones live? I don't know, God, but only you know. But I know that you're with me. And I know that with you, I can do all things. Without you, I can do nothing. So I'm going to embrace the uncertainty. I'm going to follow you. That's what we do in the valley. Then, And then step four, Ezekiel says prophesy. Now the word makes some of you guys nervous. But prophecy or to prophesy in a nutshell is declaring the word of God. There's no prophecy outside of the word of God. So when I say prophesy, you take the word of God and you let it, you get it into your system, you get it into that part of you that, you know like how David talks about, I meditate on your word day and night. You get the word of God and you, you inject it into your heart, you memorize it, you get it into your heart, and then you prophesy, you start declaring the word of God into the situations in your life. You start declaring the word of God into the people of your life. A lot of people they think if I if I if I need to want to prophesy I need to go to a conference and get like an impartation right or like I need to like become you know super holy and super spiritual I need to go to seminary no what you need to prophesy is the word of God and prophesying is getting the word of God that is in you and when the situation comes up and that word of God that's in you empowered by the Holy Spirit, you declare it into the, into the situation. You declare it into the people of your life. You declare it over, over whatever you're going through in your life, right? You prophesy. Everything is falling apart. In the natural, it looks like failure, but you declare Psalm 27. It says, I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Your heart is broken, right? The guy dumped you or the girl dumped you. Something happened and you feel rejected and you feel abandoned. You feel all alone. You feel like, you know, that nobody loves you. And then you prophesy. You get the word of God. It says, nothing can separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You you declare that God is close to the brokenhearted. You declare the word of God into the situation. But in order for you to do it, you need to have the word of God in you. 
You need to get it into your system. There's power in the tongue. We were talking about it in our small group, right? We were reading through the book of James. It says, you know, in, in the Proverbs, it says, life and death are in the tongue, right? You can use your tongue, you use your words to like bring somebody down. You can use your words to kill some, somebody, or you can actually use your words to speak life. You speak love. You, you declare the word of God into your situation. That's what prophesying is. So many times people think that prophesying is like, oh, you know, like hearing like, like a wheezy board and then yeah, there, you know, like God speaks to people and you, you declare it, but it starts from the word of God. As the word of God is in you, God's Holy Spirit starts to lead that word of God to, to, to bear fruit in the lives of the people around you, in the, into the situations that you have around you. You speak life. Jesus said his words are spirit and life. You can prophesy into your circumstance. Declare the word of God into your situation. You know, my mom, right, growing like, you know, when I started to really mess up in, 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 when I was in America, right, my mom started to prophesy, right? She started to declare, like, my son, you know, my son will come back to the Lord. My son, you know, he, God will save his life, right? So many times my, my mom would tell me that, like, I prayed, I had all of, she had all of, like, the, 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 the elders and, like, the women in her church praying for me. So many times, like, all these women will call me, like, hey, I, like, I prayed for you when you were messing up. And I was like, oh, thank you. <laughs> but my mom, she would, she would declare and she would prophesy into my life, right? And I experienced the fruit of that in, in the life that I have now. But, you know, you guys have that power. You guys... You guys feel like, you know, you, sometimes you feel helpless, but you guys have to realize you have the Word of God. You have Scripture, right? And as you get it inside you, you start declaring it into your circumstances. Whatever situation you find yourselves in, there's always the Word of God. And we have the power to declare it, prophesy into your circumstances. And my last point, that we need the power of the Holy Spirit. It says, so I prophesied, as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a sound, and behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bones to its bones. And I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, right, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them and they lived and stood on their feet an exceedingly great army. The word for breath in the Hebrew is rach, right? You have to have that it's rach. And it's the same word that is used to talk about the Spirit of God. It's the rach of God. The breath of God. The Spirit of God. We have to know that without the breath of God, without the Spirit of God, without the Holy Spirit, we're all just dry bones. This church, right, without the Spirit of God, we're just people gathered and me talking to a bunch of people in the, in the middle of a Sunday, right? In order for this church to have life, we need this Holy Spirit. We need the Spirit of God. Without the breath of life, the Holy Spirit, we're just dry bones. We need the Spirit of God. We have to know that what God wants to do in us in the valley is not about our strength. So many times when I find myself in the valley, I start to make an assessment of my strengths. I start to make an assessment of my talents, what I can do, how much money do I have, right? What's in my bank account? How I, how can I manage and handle this situation? But we have to understand what God wants to do. He wants to instill and form in us 
that, that He wants us to go through this situation that is not by our strength, it's not by our talents, it's not by our ability, but it's by the Spirit of God. It says, Zechariah 4, 6, Not by might, nor by power, but by the Spirit, says the Lord of hosts. And God wants to, 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 to empower your life. God wants to, to use seasons of the valley to strengthen you and, and build you up. But you need to depend and you need to look to the, to the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God resides inside of you. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We're not gonna, we're not going to get through the valley without the power of the Holy Spirit in us. Now, when you read the book of Acts, and I'll close with this, right? In, in Paul's epistles, you see that he walked through so many of these crazy valley seasons of his life, right? Now, first, second Corinthians 11, verse 24, it says, he's kind of like talking about his credentials. He's talking about the things that he's experienced. He says, five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes less one. Right. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Right. Three times he was shipwrecked, right? You think, you stop going on boats. A night and a day I was adrift at sea, on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, dangers from my own people, dangers from Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship through many a sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure, and part um, apart from other things, there is a daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all of the churches. Right? That's crazy. This is what Paul went through in his ministry. Right? It just seems like this constant seasons of being in the valley. But what made Paul's life so much so extraordinary? What made Paul's life like well beyond like like why why his life is recorded throughout Scripture is that he was filled with the Holy Spirit. In Acts 9, I think I have this verse, 9.17, it says, And laying his hands on him, he said, Brother, this is Ananias. When, and you know when, when, when Paul, he's like, I'm going to go persecute the, the Christians, down with the Christians, how dare these people believe in Jesus? You know, he's just the man, he's walking, he's actually on a donkey or a horse, going to Damascus, and all of a sudden he sees his light, and then he's, he's transformed, right? And he goes to this man in Ananias. He had these scales cover his eyes. He can't see, right? He's 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 like you know he's he's messed up. And then it says, "Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you came, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit." And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized. And taking food, he was strengthened. For some days, he was with the disciples at Damascus. And immediately, right? He's filled with the Spirit of God. And he says, immediately, he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogues, saying, he is the Son of God. This, this, this man, Paul, right? He's filled with the Spirit of God. Right? He's, he's persecuting the Christians. He experiences God. He encounters God. He's filled with the Spirit of God. And all of a sudden, he's like, you know, he's, he immediately he's going. He experiences all of these things, all of the beatings, all of the shipwrecks, all of the robberies, all of the dangers at sea, dangers at this, all of the difficult, difficult seasons of his life. He endures and he's able to go through it because why? He's filled with the Spirit of God. 
The Spirit of God testifies in his soul, right? Jesus Christ is the Lord. What we need in the valley is the wrong question, is who we need in the valley. And we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We need to experience being filled and being being empowered by the Spirit of God. And know and understand that Holy Spirit resides in you. He's in you. He wants to encounter you. He wants to, he wants to experience, he wants you to experience His power. He wants you to experience His goodness, His grace. He wants to experience His leading. But it requires us to what? Surrender to Him and, and live our lives for Jesus. Now this might be a season of valley for your life. You might be in a season of valleys. Or you might be on a mountaintop. You know, life might be going well. But today I want to give you a new paradigm in how we can see the valley, how you can see the valley seasons of your life. It's not to destroy you, it's to strengthen you, to grow you, to mature you. That you seek out God and find Him close as He walks with you through the valley. Those, those seasons are, are not meant to, to bring you down. Those seasons are not meant to destroy you. A season is, made to, is meant to make you stronger. You need that perspective. We need the perspective of seeing the valley as an opportunity for God to grow and strengthen you. Let's all stand up. I'm going to close with prayer.